Welcome to the Renee Massey Show. This podcast is a look into the life of extraordinary people who have achieved life-changing accomplishments. These stories highlight the human spirit in all its glory. Your host, Renee Massey, will take you into the world of everyday people as no one has ever done before. Renee uses her platform to shed light on hardworking people with integrity and vision. These people are the true icons of humanity. Listen in as Renee seeks to shed light on these stories about real people and real stories. Okay, welcome to the Renee Massey Show. Today I am so excited to have um, Kat Rainwater as my very special guest. Um, and um, th- welcome, Kat. Thanks. Thank- thanks for being on the Renee Massey Show. Thanks, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I wanted to, um, we've known each other for quite some time, moved away, and now you're back into town. Um, but uh, tell everyone how we met and where we met. We met back in the day when you were a, back a, in the day a new realtor, and I was an old aging out realtor and <laughs> at an old brokerage that we will not mention names. And um, yeah, I was managing the office and all that stuff, and you're hot rodding it in there, shoving everybody up. That's right. You were. You're kicking their asses. It was awesome. I know. I came in there like fire. I was you ready, did. like super fire. I was ready. I was like, I got this. Yeah. They said, well, we're, you're, we're in a recession. I was like, what is that? Yeah. There was no no for you. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. And there were no barriers and there was no stopping you. And it made everybody so uncomfortable and I loved it. it made everybody <laughs> Sometimes you have to get it, yeah. shake things up and make people a little uncomfortable, right? You, you made them a lot uncomfortable. It was awesome. Yeah. Because they were, yeah, they all had their excuses and some of them were old and or you know old thinking and um old thinking didn't want to do the job and all those excuses were you know propping propping up their egos and you came in just kind of kicked all their asses and told them yeah it can be done and you showed them it could be done i remember you were just killing it on leases and then you started also just selling houses and they were like what the fuck yeah and that's my first year i tell everybody I think I had two sales and everything else was leases Mm -hmm. my, my first year and i just because you're a master at it. And I just took it on and I was like, everyone was like, I don't wanna do at least, I think I'm glad that I started that way mm-hmm. um, because I learned so much by just doing that and all those people I kept in contact with and then I started converting those. Yeah, they have to, they're gonna buy houses and that was the intention. When your lease is up, yeah. I'm calling you. Yeah, So, and what a good way to learn all the areas is, yeah. is to have all those leases in place and start learning the people and what they need. No, I loved it. I love that you came in there and shook, and shook it up and made them scared and uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, that's the good stuff. That's what life is made about. And um, that is kind of like the secret sauce. And you were like a firecracker. I loved working with you. I loved having you um, yeah. as um, you ran the whole show. You were our office manager and you took care of all the agents. And you didn't take no BS from nobody. No BSs. No, you yeah. can't because you know what? When it oh, comes- and somebody wanted their check or their lease check or do mine first and do mine. And you're like... Mm-mm, sister, there's a line. <laughs> you can see the end of it back there. But yeah, you have to be because you're accountable. I was accountable for numbers. And so um, there, there were no playing favorites. Now, of course, as I got to know people, um, there was a little favoritism in, in, in the way that, okay, I know, like you, your shit was together. Your, your paperwork was right. 
you made sure it was double check, triple check. I but in my contract, my yeah, yeah, look at you <laughs> still. <laughs> Like I got an award for the you got an award for perfect contracts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so that was important. And so people like you, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll expedite your stuff because I just have to glance at it. I'm not having to spend time, you know, yeah. all this extra time figuring Initials, out signatures, everything's on there. That's Shouldn't have so. to tell someone that. Yeah, really adult, but look what time we're in now, like during this um, coronavirus that we have going mm-hmm. on, uh, COVID-19, the Rona, whichever the way Rona. you want. I like the Rona. The Rona, <laughs> however you want to. Um, dance. Yeah, however you want to address it. People are, we're having to tell adults to wash your hands. Isn't that the craziest thing? Like, didn't we learn this already? And what else are you people not doing? If I got a day to wash your if the holy world has a day to wash your hands. Wash your hands. What else are y'all not doing? I'm worried. Um, I'm not ever much. touching anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, let's never touch nothing again. Uh, now I'm just going to walk around like this with my arms down. <laughs> Drive like that. You know. Unless you're super handsome, super single. I'll touch you. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, a, she's a ready to mingle, guys. Mingle. We will give out her information at the end of this uh, podcast. Dating profile. Dating profile. Her LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> I have all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thanks again for, for being here and taking time during this crazy season to be part of my my little podcast. And I'm so excited to get out of the house. And to share <laughs> some information. And um, for everybody, uh, we, uh, we have sanitized ourselves. We are socially distancing. Mm-hmm. We are uh, six feet away from each other, sure. kind of. Mm-hmm. And um, drinking alcohol, so it's, and kill it's, it's killing the viruses. We've, uh, everything, you know, we I sprayed her with. Uh... She did. I walked in, she sprayed me. <laughs> I go in for a hug and she's like, mm. We are not hugging. Have some sanitizer. That's right. That's right. Um, So tell me a little bit. um, So, I mean, obviously I know, but our our listeners out there, um, where is Kat from? Oh, well, I was born in Gary, Indiana, just a couple blocks up from Michael Jackson's family home. Ooh. However, I left there really quick when I was like, uh, I don't know, one. (laughs) So I have no memory of it. Um, and I've been here since, been in Austin, Texas since, except for um, that little um, disaster called Third Marriage in West Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Not to laugh at the Third Marriage, but I, I know yeah. the backstory. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, Gary, Indiana. That's yeah. And so is your family over there? Your, I, I like aunts, uncles, grandparents, stuff like that. Yeah, not connected. Not connected to them. Yeah, not connected. So, um, yeah, I don't know, probably. Maybe. Probably, maybe. Um, DNA Ancestry.com says so. Yeah. Yeah, when I did that, you know, find out how my way over and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, a lot of family up in the Kentucky, Indiana type corner. So who did you come to Austin with? Uh, my mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how was that with your mom mm-hmm. coming from? Uh, you know, I don't remember. Um, I was a little bitty. Um, I can't even. Um, I can't even tell you how it was. I think really the first memories I have uh, of anything are probably five, six years old. So um, yeah, I don't know how it was. Although I do actually, now that you ask me that, I do recall um, driving somewhere, and I assume it was to here, mm-hmm. um, laying in the back window of a very large car. Yeah, before there were seatbelts, car seats, and anybody cared if you're gonna fly through the windshield. It's right. Like, you know, hold on. It was your own stupid fault if you went through. You should have held on to those seats when you were passing through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a memory of that, but I don't know if it's that, if that's moving here. Okay. Yeah, but uh, we lived in California for just a little bit in Orange County, but I don't, I don't remember. 
I call it. I was just told that. I was okay. like, sure. They could have told me I lived in London or on the moon. Do you have siblings? I do. I have um, two older sisters and an older brother, so I'm the baby. You're the baby. Yeah, I'm 49 and the baby card still works. <laughs> <laughs> I play it all the time. Good, good, good. You use it. I do. It's funny, my brother, um, so there's two older sisters and my brother and me. And it's funny when my brother still, when my brother sees me still, so I'm 49. I'll be 49 soon. And so he must be 53. And so he'll still like split me in 20. Oh, that is cute. cute. Isn't that cute? I love that story. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, I don't really need He's like, everyone, everyone should have an emergency 20. I'm like, I know, but I, I agree have with like, brother. I have like 60 of them from you. you know? He's like, no, no, just put it in your purse. Yeah. But it was so sweet because when I got divorced this last time, I, I, I left with nothing. I loaded my car up and said, you know, fuck it, I'm out. And, um, and it was just that fast. And. Uh, my brother knew I was heading to Austin to visit to kind of. And he came and gave you a twenty. He came and gave me his debit card. Oh. He came and he gave me his debit card and a handful of cash, and said, Aww. "I don't care what you need." I got chills. Yeah, he said, "I don't care what you need. You put it on the card." I'm like, "I'm like 47. I can help." No, you just. Do you oh. use my card? Oh, I got and chills. It, it was what a sweet good brother. Good brother, and it was the sweetest thing because then my brother-in-law came out and. Handed me a big wad of cash. And I was like, mm. I'm okay. I'm whatever you need. You need more? You call me. I'll make sure you have it. I'm like, that's... Mm. Isn't that the sweetest? Isn't that what it, the whole family thing is and about? And that's what family's about. Mm-hmm. Like, when something's going wrong and yep. and you're going through such a, a traumatic time during this um, divorce. It doesn't matter what number it is. It was still a bad situation. Yeah. And they knew it. They and they're knew like, it. You know, we're going to help her get... Because they wanted you to get out. They didn't want you to be like, you know what? Maybe I'll stay. I can't afford to leave. Nope. Here's the cash. Yeah. There you go. There's get out of here. The doors are wide open. And yeah. they were betrayed also. Mm. And so I think the pain of that. And um, I know I'm super white, but my family's super Hispanic. <laughs> so there's... It's just different. And there's all the loyalty, and although you don't do that to you, it's kind of like you family. Fuck with one of us, we're all coming at you, you know. Right. And so, um, although we all are wiser now, and none of us want to go to jail, um, so we they went at him at another way, and that was that making sure I was independent and taken care of. And um, my sister likes to say this all the time, and this is for her because she always says it to me. She she always says, "We're standing in the gap for you." There's a big wide open space here and you can't cross it then we're all standing down there before you i mean how sweet it the the picture that paints right right yeah and so yeah that's what's lovely and it's like you know it's like like a big family of them you know and so it's amazing and all the nieces and the nephews and and i have great nieces and great nephews now wow you know all of them are like that nothing no one's gonna hit you no one's gonna worry hurt you tia cat we're we're coming at them Tia Cat. Tia Cat. I know. I love it. I love it. Like, don't call me Auntie. It says Tia Cat right there. We got something different. We got something different. I know. And I love them. It's amazing. And then my one niece, um, she's 27 now, has her whole other family, but her own family, but she's a prosecutor. And it was just amazing. You know, she was like, here's what you do legally. You know? Yeah. Here's some tips. Look here. Do this. That's a good family member to have. Lawyer. We got everybody. We got, we got, we got everybody covered. So you need anything professional. We got you. Good, (laughs) good, good. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a great story. I love how they pulled, they came all together to, to get you here. And now you're here and 
you're happy, you're thriving, and you're doing you're Super doing well. Happy. You're doing well. Yeah, I, I want to say that this is probably the best time of my life. Good. Yeah, it's Good. been fun. Good. It's like totally everything. Free. Everything happens for a reason, even yeah. the bad stuff. You know, I mean, it's like clearing the playing field, right? It's like leveling the playing field. Let's go. It's like, yeah, uh, that person in my life messed up, and and when they did that, it just exploded everything. And allowed for new things to grow. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like a nuclear bomb went off and then the new growth starts. Yeah, it's been amazing. Kind you know, and I hate going back to it again, going back to this uh, this pandemic that we're going through. Mm-hmm. It's like a big old bomb was dropped on everybody. You know, not literally. But now everything is growing again. And things are thriving. Yeah. The 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 earth, the air, the the wildlife. You yeah. know. Um, and so everything is coming back and growing after just something tragic has is happening or happened. Did you see that video in Sicily where the dolphins are running, are swimming through the canals, and the jellyfish are back, and all these great things? And I think even I saw water- one where some some turtles were like were coming they had never seen like in such large numbers yeah. because there are people are on the beaches coming up to they're coming up to the you know to the shores and they come up and mate and do their thing and uh the picture was just like huge it's a big no, turtle that's not yeah that's good but that's mother nature needed a refresh it did we needed a restart but a reboot even for our families look how much closer everybody is when they're talking to just their family and they're staying in their homes and yeah you know spending that time with their families and really connecting and i've loved it i loved it yeah i'm so spoiled where i live i mean never live never never leave guys she has chickens in her house at her house (laughs) not in the house chickens i chickens yes not in the house in the yard but i love chickens chickens. three hens one rooster and four little perfect baby chicks oh my goodness that is just a good dream come true it is to get up in the morning and go out and take care of them and yeah and it's funny because when in the morning if you're out there too late to let them out they're all standing at the fence like hey lady open the open the door let us out so what is the what is the routine that you have to do with them they're just are they roaming free or they're in a cage at night yeah they roam free during the day they just free range in the yard during the day so in the morning I'm usually up at five or so starting to work and um, my sister and I will go on a walk and as soon as the sun starts coming out or we hear the rooster crow, we'll just go open the door and everybody pops out and does their thing all day and as the sun's going down, probably earlier than this, they'll all just go put themselves to bed and you just have to close the door. Okay. Yeah. And do you, um, do you do that to protect them? Put them in bed? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because they're... I mean, they're little. They're smart in that. Um, they'll learn their. They'll learn their name, and they'll be able to come to you. You can really? do like agility training with them, like you would a dog. They have like you know you could do little obstacle courses and stuff. But they're smart. They're about as smart as a two-year-old. Okay. So anything a two-year-old could learn, they could also, except for math, probably not. But um, but knowing their name and coming to that and learning treats and stuff like that, then they can do that. But yeah, they're super. They have incredibly bad eyesight. And so at night time, really? they need to be locked up because they can't see what's around them. Like, yeah, have a coyote mm-hmm. or something coming. And they'll just, if something tries to eat them, they'll just sit there and let them eat them. Mm. And always should be sad. Oh, no. And I don't eat my chicken, so nothing else going to eat the chickens. Right. Well, good, 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 good. Um, that's, I love that. So speaking of eating, what is your, what do you like to eat? What is your favorite food? Oh, man. Okay, so my favorite foods are um, anything Mexican. Um, 
but I mean, I love tacos and all that, but we'll get down on some serious like barbacoa and, and um, I make like a, the world's best um, carne asada. Okay. I'm like, so good at that. And um, those kind of things is, um, um, what would you call it, comfort food? Okay. Um, I love that stuff. I love Italian food. Super love fancy um, greasy cheeseburgers. Okay. But like re- recently I've lost 60 pounds and so really my eating habits are, are confined to um, like scrambled eggs, um, things like that, super healthy protein shakes, things like that. But on the weekends I'll get stupid and, and go eat something like today. I was having a stressful day at work so I was like, you know what, I'm getting a cheeseburger. Right. Fuck it all. And uh, if I have to stretch your pants tomorrow, that's fine. So That's fine. Yeah. yeah. You have to teach yourself sometimes. Yeah, I try to eat pretty clean all the time. Um, but yeah, I definitely am down for indulging in something good if it crosses my path. And that's the worst part about being in in confinement right now is um, I work from home all the time. Yeah. And my my out was always to kind of leave home and go find a nice patio somewhere and have a nice nice cold bourbon and you know meet some strangers and. Um, maybe have an appetizer and just really enjoy myself so that's been the toughest part because that was also my indulgence yeah and we don't have that we don't have that it's super sad Mm -hmm. yeah you don't have that anymore we got nothing but sneaking out the front window and breaking the rules a little bit yeah um i mean we will i mean i think retail opened up here today yeah Um, they can like throw it at you in your car or something yeah yeah it's curbside like food Mm -hmm. um but I don't know. I just hope that um, people just continue to be be safe and um, we can get past it. I know we will get past through. Oh, I think it's, I think it's it's coming to an end. Yeah, I think we've been mostly good children. Yeah, except for me. I'm in Target and I'm in Target a lot. They're like, oh, you're back. Yeah, I just want to look at stuff. You just want to look. And like, yeah, I can't Target. go to the gym anymore. I used to go to the gym twice a day. Yeah, you know? and so. Really, all I can do is go outside and walk or run, and um, and that's fine. And I've scraped up a few weights here and there, um, but I totally missed the memo on everybody going to panic by the weights. So I've got just like a weight bar, a couple dumbbells. We have and weights, so and we have a home gym in the garage. So you mm-hmm. can what go. Can I get a, like a key fob that I can come in? Yeah, and yeah, go ahead and go in there. We have a the, the both a both a whole Bowflex setup <laughs> oh, wow. situation out, oh, out there. You're way ahead. So I'll just go to Target and do some laps. So yeah, when we went, went to go look for that, um, when we started shopping, when all this started happening, because my husband was a really big gym goer, I don't. I'm a pre. Corona, mm-hmm. I was already a germaphobe and I didn't like touching things that a lot of people were touching. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, like that on self-checkout. And I don't like to be close to something if you're sweating a lot mm-hmm. and then you just were there. And it, even if you wiped it with the wipes, I still felt like... Like you were having sex with somebody? Cause like, that's a lot of one night stands. That's a whole lot of one night stands. I'm like, I'm not down for that right now. Yeah, like, and I don't even like, you, like them. So I don't even know the name. Yeah, you didn't even take me to dinner. It's like college. Right. <laughs> She's like, it's like college. <laughs> so, well, speaking of college, um, what did, um, so tell me one interesting thing or adventure. What is the biggest adventure that you've ever done that would surprise me? I know. When I was about to turn 40, I was having a little bit of identity crisis. And, <laughs> like, my daughter um, is, I had her at 21, so we kind of grew up together. And she was like off to college doing her own thing, you know? And I'm like, wow, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself now. I know, but I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll join roller derby. 
So um, I tried out for roller derby and I skated in a roller derby for a while. Got boarding. Oh. It was fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this would be great for frustrations, right? You can get your frustrations out. You can hit people and stuff like that. You just have to remember that they can hit you back. And um, yeah, that hurts. It they're roller derby girls. They're real, they're real hits. And um, so that, that was a good time. I saw that. I had, um, I knew a girl that um, they did that um, and it lost um, touch with her. I'll mention, I'll tell you her name after. Um, I don't want to put it on here just um, in case. But um, yeah, she was like really big into like she was one of the one of the Austin girls. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Yeah, you can get hurt a lot though. Yeah. I'd go like have bruises on my face, bruises all over me, you know, because the practice also is hard. You're, the practice isn't just the doing exercises experience. Stuff, but they're like real hitting each other, getting used to it, getting used to falling and being able to get up quickly and, you know, move past people and skate backwards and skate fast and, you know, learn how to throw yourself through the air. And it's not like this equipment's light, you know, these skates are custom made and they're about 20 pounds. And so you're skating with those on your legs, plus your the knee pads, the helmet, and all that stuff. I mean, it really adds some weight to you. And so you have to learn. Did you ever get, get really hurt? Oh yeah, that's why I quit. I broke an ankle and an ankle on the wrist at the same time. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Still skating. <sighs> yeah, I went down and I knew. You know, I didn't hear any cracks. It wasn't like the movie stuff, you know. But um, yeah, like oh, or you know, your art, your limbs hanging off, right, <laughs> right? But you know, you're like, oh yeah, that that was so that was real damage. If right. it was a video game, it would be like, game over. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, I was trying to be about it, so I skated anyway, probably. Shouldn't have done that, but yeah, that was it. That was done because the skates and everything in the braces are confined. What was the name of your team? Uh, we were the Sugar Bombs. The Sugar Bombs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then the, the Derby Dames, they kind of switch. They always switch. When the money runs out, you switch. Um, and then the, whoever's supporting you says, yeah, I think I like this thing better. Everybody switches running. But, um, so the braces and the skates are confining you and compressing everything, and it feels like, oh, just a sprain, but once you let, let it go. the beast out, you're like, oh yeah, that is more than a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. That's gonna take some attention. <laughs> yeah, done, into the end Well, the that's thing. an adventure there. It was, I and mean, it was fun, I loved it. How interesting is that? And you know, most of the girls are, you know, 23, 24 years old. and That's fun, legal, but fun. Oh, did you want the illegal stories? Yeah, sure. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. I I think that there's... I work in finance. I don't think I should say anything about... Maybe there's a sexual limitation or stuff. Mm -hmm. But no, that was was a pretty good adventure there. I mean, who can say that they were a roller derby girl? I know. And for those that don't know what that is, Google it because it is exciting. Um, I saw a few of them. I could personally never do it. Um, but I'm like, wow. You have to be okay. And it's an action. There's go. Yeah. It's like, um, NASCAR races is going. Yes. And you know what? A lot of people are like, God, it must be like football. I'm like, no, those sissies get breaks. (laughs) There's no breaks in roller derby. There's not? Mm -mm. Oh, wow. There's like a halftime. But, um, it's not like, oh, man down, throw the flag, you know, we're all going to stop, like, no, man down, get your ass up, because otherwise you're going to get run over, and no one's going to care, so. Wow, yeah. how interesting. It's like, get back in, the, they're called, not games, but bouts, just like, you know, get back in there, and be a tough ass, and, you know, it's fun. Yeah. It's good fun. 
So you get to dress trashy little fun zone. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun to have a little fun. Um, did you grow up on the south side? I grew up on the east side. On the east side? Yeah, I grew up in Riverside and... Pleasant. You're really Mexican. <laughs> I know, didn't even know it, right? Yeah, I grew up in... Uh, the, yeah, so Riverside, Mentopolis, and um, Pleasant Valley. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good area. Good area. <laughs> Not so much. Well, well it is I that. mean... It's funny, I meet people now and they're like, oh, yeah, you must have had a really nice life. I'm like, okay, so you're not from here if you don't understand what that was back in the 70s and 80s. So, And it's, then it's, I mean, I think it's gone in waves. I mean, there's some areas that are still, I mean, it's like if you go off of um, Stastny and mm-hmm. Knuckles Crossing. Yeah. Um, guys, that is a real street um, yeah. in Austin, Texas, Knuckles Crossing. And it used uh, to be like, and it is what, how it sounds. Crossing. It usually it, be like. It is how it sounds. You're going to get your ass beat if you're not supposed to be around there. Don't be there after dark. Mm-mm, don't be there during the day, girl. <laughs> I showed property out there. Not unless like, you look like you belong. <laughs> I showed property out there and I was just like, oh, somebody go with me. Mm-hmm. And it was a vacant property and I got there and the client was late and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I don't do be I in know, here how many guns do I need? But, you know, growing up, we weren't even aware of it. We weren't even aware of it. It was um, not a great place. And, um, I mean, we always ran around. Everybody knew us. We knew everybody. And, um, you know, as much as everybody wants to say. So what school, what high school did you graduate from? I actually ended up, we moved to the um, gentrified white people neighborhood of South Austin, um, you know, later on. So I went to Crockett High School up until I was a junior, and then we moved to Dripping Springs, Texas, and I graduated from there. Okay, okay. No, that is so weird. So tell me a little bit, because um, I'm sure everybody wants to know about, um, <laughs> or not, or not, maybe, <laughs> everybody wants to know, right guys, everybody out there, um, everybody wants to know about Little Cat, you know, what? how was it like for Little Cat, that, um, and what happened to Little Cat to make mm. big, I mean, um, not, um, Grown we, Cat? Grown cat? Grown cat. Awesome cat. <laughs> awesome cat. My, name is, my Facebook name used to be Cat Fantastic, and I was like, that, that's perfect. <laughs> you know? That's perfect, yeah. Cat Fantastic. Let's, let's not call about an old cat. That hurt my feelers. Um, okay, so um, I don't really remember Little Cat. Um, I remember, I think, first memories are maybe six or seven years old, and those are trauma memories. Um mm. And I'll tell you, and I don't say it because of sympathy or uh, I, I don't want anyone to say I'm sorry or that's horrible or anything like that. I say these yeah. things because um, they help other women and or men. And this is what it's about. Because you men know, can be in this position Sharing these stories is to help yeah. other people. I think I lightly touched on it the other day when you were kind of talking to me about coming to talk to you. So starting at seven, I was... Um, the best word I can use that everyone can go, that's what that means, is trafficked. Um, trafficked, like human trafficked? Trafficked, yeah. Um, my mother, and she's still alive, um, so I'll try to show some grace here. Um, and my siblings, of course, are still alive. Um, so um, she had a boyfriend, and that boyfriend could do whatever he wanted to us, to me, not us, me. This is my story, not their story. Um, so he could do whatever he wanted to us. And so 
I vividly remember, and I've written about this, and I have a blog post about it. Um, do you want the details? Sure. Okay. So I vividly remember um, going to his house. His name was Bob, and he had, and he lived off of his. There's no last names. I, I don't know. I, I wish I could remember his last name so I could drive to his house and set him on fire, um, but I can't remember it. No one can. And lucky, lucky him, um, because we talked about that large Mexican family that would show up. So, um, and I remember it. So um, he had this large king size bed, and at first, like I didn't have a bed growing up. My brother and I lived in a closet together in an apartment complex back when they could say um, no families, no kids allowed on Riverside Drive. And so we lived in this closet together, my brother and I. And so having a bed was like this luxury idea. And having Honestly, never, yeah. Having never really even seen one, you know. And um, so, or, or much less have one to myself. And so this man, it was my mother's boyfriend, um, had this king-size bed. And can you imagine you're a tiny little seven-year-old? I mean, I'm nothing tiny about me now, but at the time I was like a little bird. Yeah, um, of course. So, so little. And... Um, and I remember that. And I remember going to his house and him babysitting us after she broke up and she, we were living with another man of, her, of hers. Um, and he would come pick us up. And of course, as a seven-year-old, you don't go, why does a single man want to come pick up a, a, a seven-year-old girl and I volunteer to babysit him for the weekend? I mean, that just doesn't, it, it doesn't jive in your head. You don't, you, don't, you don't have the knowledge yet to go. That's why. So I, re- I remember vividly the first night I slept there, um, he shoved pills in my mouth. I don't know what they were, but I remember waking up feeling horrible and sore and horrible. He had raped me and I was seven years old. Oh no. Um, and I remember so sorry. Um, coming, coming to from that and I could still picture him. Um, and it happened over and over and over again. And one time, um, his daughter, who was um, driving age, must have been... Um, Teenager or something. Yeah, must have been. Because I remember her knocking on the apartment door that we lived in and saying, don't let her come over anymore. Here's what's happening. And my mother sent me anyway. And I vividly remember that because I can picture the candy that was on um, the table. It was like that ribbon Christmas candy. And to this day, I won't eat that stuff. If I see it, I'll, I'll, move, I'll, I'll leave the aisle. Um, and a movie called The Onion Fields was on TV. Mm. And it, I, I remember taking a snapshot thinking, this girl's finally going to save me. Like, I, right. kid, I didn't have a word for rape. I didn't have a word for a naked man. I didn't have a word for any of the things that were happening to me. Um, and so I, re- I, I remember that, that snapshot and that my mother sent me anyway because she wanted to go out dancing. And that was her babysitter. And that was the babysitter. Yeah. You probably would have been better off alone by yourself. I would have been so better off alone. Yeah. But were your siblings that were older, they couldn't watch you? They, um... There was a weird dynamics going on in our family where my older sisters weren't even in the picture. Okay. They were sent away to California. Yeah, so where, my, where my real father lived. I mean, there was just all of these horrible things going on mm-hmm. in the family. And my brother, who I think still has guilt about this, he was there. I mean, if I was seven, he was nine. What was he gonna do? He's a little boy too. He didn't have, he didn't have words for it. He didn't know what was going on. And even if he had, even, sorry, puppy. Even if he had seen it, he wouldn't have known what that was. Mm-hmm. Of and course. Because so, he's nine. Yeah, and I think that's why every time he sees me, he's 
you know, I'm probably I'm very close to my brother. Yeah, he sounds fact, like it. I'll text him and I'll he say he sounds like a hero. He's a superhero, and um, I always tell him he's my favorite sister <laughs> because it makes it different for him. Yeah, he's the only brother. But if I say you're my favorite sister and there's three of you, it's different. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, of it's course. A, it's a different promotion. It's you know he's on top of it, but um, but he didn't know. And like I said, I don't say these things because I want people to feel sympathy for me. Or feel bad about it. I mean, it's happened. There's nothing I can do about it. But I, what I do want women to know is that you can survive it. You can move on. You can grow. You can you can have a fabulous life. You can have a fabulous love. You can enjoy sex. You can do all those things that seem like it should be taboo. But I remember this man pulling me by. I remember leaving, going down the stairs, trying to get out, and him realizing it. Him pulling me back up the stairs by my hair, mm. and I had long blonde hair I was seven everybody has long hair at seven right and um I had long blonde hair at seven too you did <laughs> yes and you said it's so blonde that's a little bit of silver um yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny how it changes right you have kids and you're like it all goes to hell but yeah um, yeah you can have it but I remember him pulling me up and I remember throwing up from whatever he had given me I was sick I remember throwing up and I remember him picking it up from the stairs and making me eat it and dragging <sighs> me back up the stairs um, it was just horrible. It was the most horrible, horrible thing that could happen. That is horrible. It is. But you know what? I'm okay. And that's what I want women and other men to know that have survived these sort of things and have gone through these sort of things is that it's not your fault. And it is okay for you to talk about it and you should talk about it and it shouldn't be a dirty little secret because you know what? You didn't do it. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Not your fault. And anyone that's listening yeah. and's had something similar... I mean, it is not your fault. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay. Yeah, and they should be named and chained. And they should and, be named and chained. And you should find... And the shaming way. goes to them, not to you. For sure. Yeah. And and, and some me, people think, well, it went on for so many years and it's my mm-hmm. fault because you don't no. know anybody. You're a kid. You're seven, eight, nine, whatever. Yeah. You're... You don't know what that is. You don't have a terminology for it. You don't even have a feeling to attach for it, to it, except... And anyone they, that shames someone... It's been abused. Shame on them. Yeah, definitely shame on them. Shame on them. Because you don't you don't understand what it takes from somebody and the work you have to do to get that piece of you back. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. You know, me too, but you know what? I'm okay. And um, how did your mom end up handling that? We don't talk. We don't talk. We don't talk. Um we don't talk because she I mean, if she Does she doesn't acknowledge it? She doesn't acknowledge it. And she says stuff like, um, and I made a big blog post about this, and it happened when, um, you know, Jerry Sandusky's story and that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Paterno, that coach, I dated his son when I was at Motorola, when I was in, worked in engineering at Motorola. I dated um, the son. And um, so when that whole story broke, it brought it all to surface for me about these, these children being abused. And I wrote a story about it and um, on my blog. And um, and my mother made a comment on it. Instead of calling me or talking to me about it, she made a comment saying, you know, you're an effing liar, you're a bitch, you're all these things. And I still have that. Because she was like, and I, I turned him into, uh, I put him on the sex offenders list, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, you didn't. Because at the time, there was no sex, sex offenders list. That wasn't a thing. And it's not like you can just make a phone call or send an email. There has to be, like, a trial. You know, there has to be these things that you're found guilty and then you're put on these. But it, it didn't yeah. exist. So there was all these excuses that she likes to tell herself. But um, She's in denial herself. Makes her feel better. 
um, I guess. But you know what would really help is a, I am so sorry I fucked up so tremendously wrong. I am so sorry. I think that she just can't say that she's sorry. Because yeah. I would admit the guilt on her. And but you know what? Some people aren't willing to do that. We already know the truth. You know, we already know what what the what the experience is with the truth is. So mm-hmm. the guilt doesn't matter anymore. At this point it's like just acknowledge just acknowledge the damage that was done and because that's the barrier that doesn't allow us to move forward. That's the barrier mm-hmm. that stands between her and my daughter. And her and now my grandson. I have a grandson. I have a seven month old grandson and so those are the barriers because I always tell my daughter, no matter what, no matter what, you can't trust her with your with your life, your safety, and your and your child's life and safety now. Do you feel like she's still the same person today that she was then? I have no idea because I haven't talked to her. How long has it been since you talked to her? Um, let's see. Um, must be 10 years. The last time I talked to her was at my niece's funeral. Okay. Yeah. And it was about her. She made it about her. And, um, and I'm sure she... she some of my siblings tell me she's a better person and that she has, you know, she's changed a bit mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But for me, and, and, you know, that internal feeling is still there of I can't trust you, you can't protect me, you won't. It's not that even that you can't protect me, it's that you choose not to. Mm-hmm. And that is an ongoing wound. And for me, so um, my personality type, and you know my personality type is if, 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 if we're not going to be cool with each other, um, there's nothing for me to give you and there's nothing I want to receive from you if we're yeah. not going to get shit straight. So, um, but that's that. So it's been 10 years. And for me, the distance is really good for me because in my head, she's dead. Mm. You know? And that's how I had to put it to bed for me. And it but makes I, it easier for you. Oh, I had to do that so I could keep moving forward, right? There's all this wonderful life out there for me to live and all of these great opportunities, including like this one, you know? Yeah. If I sat in my room and sat in the closet and cried and was quiet and was all oh for me and all these things Oh my god, happened, my mom is never acknowledging this. I oh my know. god, oh my god. Look at the stuff I wouldn't... you embrace. are not in control of somebody else's actions. That's exactly where I was going with that is... No, I'm not. I'm in You're control, only in control, control of, of yours. Me. Yeah, I'm in control of me. I'm in control of what I, how I treat people, and I'm in control of how I receive how their treatment. Yeah. And for me, it's like if you're going to be like that, I'm moving on. I gotta, I gotta get away far, far away from that. So. Yeah. And who knows? And I'm not justifying it whatsoever. But whatever she was dealing with, or at that time, um, or now, she obviously has shame. She is hiding some maybe something else mm-hmm. that she doesn't want to face and instead of saying let me face it for my daughter yeah or um, let's face it together let's face it together yeah. i'm sorry or hey you know what honey i fucked up yeah way fucked up and and i'm sorry and, and, it, and it's okay because we all make mistakes yeah. i mean I, i'm a mother of two and i've made you know several mistakes mm-hmm. um and i sometimes if i could turn back the clock i wish i could have done this or that different yeah. um but um and me too and the ones i have made i felt like rip your heart out every time even though you but i'll tell i'll tell my children I'm like you know what i'm sorry i said that yeah. or i'm sorry i did that for sure whatever i mean nothing to that magnitude for uh but still um but that I, I want to try to own it yeah yeah i'm sorry please don't 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 think of me like that i'm sorry i did that i'm sorry i've hurt you like that and um and i'm a big proponent of not saying the if word I really super hate it when people say to me, if I hurt your feelings, or if you took it that way. No, no, no. If is a, di- is a disqualifier. If says, yeah, you 
kind of assisting. I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. No, the, the, or when you say I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but yeah, if you do the but and just then it erases it. Yeah, it, you're not saying sorry anymore. You erase it. You know, it. it does. It deepens the wound. I'm yeah. sorry, but but if you wouldn't have said blah 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 yeah. blah, then I wouldn't have done this and this yeah. and this. Now it's your fault. Yeah. So you just went, you just pointed the finger back at me, but I'm like, I thought you were saying you're sorry. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm just saying sorry. I don't like that stuff. Just, just stand up and say, man, I was an asshole and I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for all of the, the damage it's done. Yeah. What, what can I do? And you know, the answer is always going to be nothing. Yeah. The answer was the apology. That's what you could have done, you know, but the longer it sits, it festers. I'm sorry. Period. You know, and yeah. it just gets worse and worse where it becomes untreatable. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, that is definitely... Um, thank you for sharing such an, um, such a personal and um, troubling story. But I think that it is was a great story to share. And again, thank yeah, you. I think it and thank you for having the courage to, to say that here to, all yeah. the, to everybody that's listening. But isn't it sad that it requires courage? It does. When it's not something. It's like I I equate it a bit to like. Do you ever feel ashamed or feel like you have to have courage to tell someone I was in a car wreck? No, no, you don't. You're like I was in a freaking car wreck and it hurt really bad. Yeah, and I'm still dealing with pain and issues from that. You you don't ever feel ashamed or sorry to say that. Yeah, for sure. You don't. Um, it's just one of those things that come up. Um, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but no, now you have, you know, your, your job is going well, um, and you have your one child, um, and your one grandchild, big stuff, and they both love you to death. They're my favorites. They're your favorites. And your grandbaby is just, is that the cutest little thing ever? It's cute. He's so stinking cute. He's like, uh, and he's just chubby in all the right places he's got the biggest blue eyes and the cutest little smile and um his eyebrows are really expressive like mine and my daughter's and i was telling like oh you're gonna be in so much trouble with those eyebrows because they betray every feeling and thought yeah i remember at motorola i had a manager and uh, we would be in these staff meetings and he would be yelling at engineers or catching them in lies or they would lie to him and my eyebrows would just go up like oh that's a lie and he made me sit in the meeting like this from then on he's <laughs> like, like because you can't hold that. Until you can control those eyebrows, <laughs> I don't need them to know I know that they're called, that they're giving me bullshit, you know? Yeah. Because they start all watching me to see what, you know. Your reaction. My reaction, so, yeah. What like, is oh. Kat doing over there? That poor little guy. He's going to be like us. Oh, my God. So, now you're doing some writing. Um, yeah. um Tell us a little bit about your writing and what is what are your recent projects. So, um, probably eight years ago, or actually when I first met you, I had just launched a blog, um, and it was called Honey Badger Press. Honey Badger Press, I remember that name, yeah. And it was all about just kind of, you know, being, not being a jerk, but being a, just a, a, the strong voice of, I'm not taking your shit, and here's why, you know, or things you, things you, don't let people walk on you. You can be a tough. You can be tough and gorgeous and smart. Yeah. And all of those things that a woman's supposed to be, and still be soft and loving and a mother, and not take people's bullshit. So that's what that whole thing was about. And um, that was when blogging before all the cool kids were trying to blog. And I was in the top ten of the world. Um, when you go to the ranks and ratings of that, um, 
And so I did really well at it. But at that time, it wasn't like it's something you monetized. Yeah. There wasn't all these social media channels. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't all this stuff. And so um, I wanted to get back to that. Um, my step, and, and it was really from a humorist, um, take no prisoners type voice at that point. And I don't really have that voice anymore. I have more of a, a humorist, um, let me help you voice. Here's what I've learned, boys. Here, here's how you can be strong and graceful and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the best hashtag I have associated to me is don't set yourself on fire. And that's one of my favorite quotes is as you go through life, and especially as women and mothers, we we sacrifice ourselves. We um, Even if it's a bad relationship, we'll, we'll stay in the relationship because we think we should fix it. We think we don't want our family fractured. And in that process, we're setting ourselves on fire to keep someone else warm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's so that's one of the hashtags is don't set yourself on fire. So you'll see quotes pop up on there and, and with the hashtag on it, um, those sorts of things. And, and so right now what we're what we're doing is expanding that into public speaking. Okay. I've always done that, um, and so I think it w- it's helpful to get on that tour and to help. So here's how you can run the technical side of the business, and and here's some here's my backstory because if I can overcome these things. You can overcome whatever you have in front of you, and we can all win together. And that's the other thing. It's not a competition. I want to see everybody win. When you told me about your podcast, you know, my initial thing was like, oh my God, I've been wanting to do that too, but I'm so glad you're doing it because I'm going to follow you right through it Mm -hmm. and support you because um, I want to see everybody win. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody, yeah. There is room for everybody. And um, I appreciate your support. Yeah. And so that's, that's... that's where that voice is and that's where that is heading um, because I think it's important especially women in my age group so many of us are you know we're getting divorced because the kids are leaving the, the children are now in college mm-hmm. the mom is on her own and she's like what do I do with me now and, and 48, 49, 55, 60 is super young right now mm-hmm. it's not like you're this old lady who has no use anymore I mean, we're gorgeous and we're having fun and we're out there, we're having sex and having drinks and having great friends and all right. those stuff, all those things that make life really fantastic, right? Right, right. And being unapologetic about it, unapologetic about it. And um, and we should be. Right. And so it's kind of a place for that age group. I would say maybe um, 35 up until 70. I'm writing for um, a Austin website called Austin Mom Blogs. It's a big, big deal. And um, I write also for Pop Sugar. And so those sorts of things. And I, I think women just, sometimes we need another woman to say, hey, you know what, you're, you're a gorgeous, smart badass. And you can go out there and you can do all these things. And if someone tries to tell you no, you just, right. hit, you just check them like you're in roller derby and knock them off the track. Because, right. yeah, that no one should be in your that way. That roller derby training can Oh, for sure it does. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I, don't even, I don't care about the hits. I don't feel them. So if somebody wants to look you up and... Um, on, on the things you've written and you're writing your blogs um, yeah. or the mommy journals um, they can go to catrainwater.com uh, I made Rain. it really easy catrainwater.com mm-hmm. and all the social media and cats with a C cat with a C like meow there you go yeah, yeah. just don't address people like hello kittens like um, that from <laughs> the tiger king I actually do on my, on my blog I call them kittens but she, what does she say? She says something else. She's like, oh, hello, um, all my tigers and kittens or something like that. So, uh, oh, I don't remember. Did you watch it? No, because, you know, actually, 
the lady he put the hit on in Big Cat Rescue, I support. I supported her. I would give donations to her because I love cats so much and I love big cats. And so when all this oh, blew wow. up, I was like, that all looks familiar. Oh, I'm part of that. Okay, bye. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm just going to go hide in the corner. Oh, nobody sees me. You know? Right. Yeah. So I haven't watched it because I, I saw the other side of it where, where um, the, the hit was put on her life twice and all that stuff. And so when I see people like talk about her husband and stuff, I'm like, oh my God, I remember it's playing out. Like, but from her perspective. Like, where like, did he go? Yeah, it's super weird to me. And I'm, I'm, sometimes I feel like I feel so bad for her because well, we're Facebook friends and all this stuff is happening. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, you know? Of all yeah, the, did it. the shit storm to get caught up in, I'm like, so I'm just quietly sitting on the side going, don't look at me, don't look at me, you know? Isn't that sick? That's crazy. I know because now it makes me question. But um, yeah, you should. It's it's um it's entertaining. Yeah, it's entertaining. So I would take a take a look at it. I mean, I mean, if anything, just for entertainment purposes, not for. It seems so close, like. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just um. I, and so every day there's a Facebook meme about it, and I feel so bad. Like Baskin Robbins even like has one on their site. We're we're not a filler. We're not a filler. <laughs> Not at all. We don't, oh I don't know her. If she sees this, I'm going to get, she's going to be like, you're up. So I saw that recently you had um, your stuff, uh, were you on the um, Austin Business, uh, the Chronicles? Was it the Chronicles? Or? Uh, I don't know if it was picked up there. I mean, so much stuff has gotten picked up all over the places. It's impossible to track where it is unless they contact me and say, hey, we're running this. What are, they, what are you, what are they publishing your stuff to? I've seen it all over the place. I've seen it out on Huffington Post. I've seen it um, on the um, website I mentioned, Awesome Mom Blogs, which is, I mentioned them because it's a fantastic tool for moms in the area. And that's cyber or hard copy? Cyber. Okay. And I write for them from the um, mature moms, okay. veteran moms voice point. And, and one thing that has always bothered me of late and I see my own daughter struggle with it is uh, the Insta Perfect Lives. They see on Facebook and social media everybody's perfect, their babies are fed, their hair is done, they're all, their stomachs are flat two days clean. after having the babies. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not true. And I think it just puts this undue pressure on moms, especially young moms. And so, like my sister says, you know, when I wrote in to say, let me do this, it was to stand in the gap there and say, it's okay. It's okay if you're walking around with your hair not clean and. Yeah, I don't know when the last time brushed your teeth, but you're trying to keep a little tiny person alive, and that's the priority. And don't feel bad about that, because that's going to happen many times in your life. Yeah. And it's, it is okay. You're doing your job. You know, you're doing your job. You don't have to be a beauty queen doing this. And I see with my own daughter having her child, and she ended up having, I mean, her birth plan didn't go at all what she expected. She ended up with a C-section and all the stuff that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those feelings of, of failing... And I'm like, hey, you know, you did your job. Your job was to... Why did she feel like she felt? Because her birth plan didn't go to... I mean, there's all this pressure for this perfect birth plan, and you have to have them naturally, and blah, blah, blah. And they take the picture, and as soon as the baby's born, and you look perfect, and your hair's fantastic. Well, she had like a 40-hour labor. Yeah. I mean, and she handled it like There's a, no such thing. She, there's no such thing. You know what the perfect and birth is? And all the big celebrities that are doing that... Well, they have people there, and they have yeah. a team, or they have um, surgeons, and <laughs> yeah. um, they it's 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 different. Yeah, you know, just like a celebrity that has a house, a full time housekeeper, a full time nanny, Cook. a full time um, fitness, uh, fi- fitness person, 
um, a full-time, you know, motivational person. Like, they have all these things. Well, you know, that, that's not real life. The everyday mom does not. Yeah, and, it, and you can't. Because we're like, who lives in a house that big? Who can have all those people? You know, yeah. you come home and you might already have a few other kids. You, when you come home, you're not going to be this laid up in the bed for six weeks like you're supposed to. You have to start, you know, cooking and cleaning already for the other children. For sure. And, and you forget rest. Oh, what? Rest? Yeah. You've got all of these things and it's impossible. It's just impossible. we got to give ourselves a break. So you know what? And I think it's important and it's for okay. the veteran moms to say, you know, you're going to be all right. It's okay. It's okay if you're walking around spit up on your shirt. We don't mind. You know, how can we help you? What can we do to help you? Right. What advice do you need? Right. You don't need advice. You just need a night out. Call me. I'll come sit with your kids and you go do whatever it is. Even if it's walk up to the other side of the block and drink a drink a bottle of wine or call your girlfriends or whatever. Whatever it is, I think people in my age group have to really look back and hand, and put the hand out to help them up out of it. And um, so that's that's what I write for for them. And the other stuff that gets picked up is just my stuff, just me rambling on about whatever bullshit I've crossed that day. But I think it's important because so many people don't talk about it. I mean, I'm juggling a full-time career in the financial market. Uh, I, I write all night long. I go out and do podcasts. I go out and do public speaking. Uh, all of those things. I'm dating. All of that shit. I mean, and I'm not the only one. I'm not special in this. And I think yeah. sometimes it helps for for other women to be able to go, okay, she's doing it. How's she managing it? Yeah. yeah. How do you feel like the dating stuff's going? <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> Good for yeah. you. It's fun, and there's a whole lot of stupidity. Um, and it's funny because you'll start seeing, you start crossing paths with the same men, and you're like, yeah, I know about you. You know, or they'll, um, and I'm on like all the dates, and all of a sudden they sound like a hooker. I'm not on <laughs> Tinder. I have limits. Um, <laughs> but like on um, Bumble, Match, and OkCupid, those are the big three I'm on. And so you'll see the same people on it, but it'd be different pictures or different profiles, and you know, they're trying to represent something else. And it's funny, you'll start messaging each other like, didn't I just match with you on that other one and you were kind of a dick? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, you know. Um, but it's funny, I've picked up some friends and it's been kind of a, just a good time. And I'm yeah. still really good contacts um, yeah. for, for my 8 to 5 and then also for my own business I'm pursuing. So you just never know who's out there. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of cooties. There's a lot of weirdos. Um, and oh. just all of the drama that comes with it has been just... it's. Overall, it's been fun. Like, I've had some close calls, and I've had a couple stalker issues of, like, legitimately scared me. Like, oh, people wow. showing up at my house, and how did they figure out who I was? And I had a, one guy find me, pinpoint me um, for our location services on one of the dating sites. He was able to triangulate that somehow. And I don't even know if that's the right word, but it was. It would, it would tell you you're within one mile, 0.5 miles, a quarter mile. Yeah. So he was able to figure out where I was. Wow. And um, he knew I went through the, through, to the gym a couple times a day. And so he was able to figure out, oh, she must be at that gym. And he actually walked up to me in the gym. And it freaked me out, so I got off of him and, and learned some things. And so that's kind of the stuff I teach because, I mean, it's important. You well, just, be really careful with that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, turn off those location services on your dating apps because they can be very specific. Yeah. Then yeah. You don't, um, I'll meet you when I'm ready. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You see people meet each other very quickly. I mean, I'll talk to someone for a few And when weeks. it's the right time, um, yeah. the right person will appear. 
yeah. you. But you have to get to the point where you're talking to them on the phone and being able to um, analyze what's being said to you. Because mm-hmm. during text, I can say anything. You know, you don't, you can't hear the inflection in my voice. You can't hear. Yeah, I'd rather talk. Yeah. I mean, kids in the background, if they say they have no kids, you can't hear all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I quickly moved to talking on the phone so I can kind of. Yeah, when I talk to you. Take, sure. take some inventory. For sure. Um, but yeah, you do have and to. And in the evenings, like, um, are you home with your wife and kids? Yeah, for sure. And call, call at weird times and uh, be able to assess where they are and what's going on because it's really important. Right. Right. And, um, but when you go meet people, it's even funnier because so many times they don't say, they don't look like how they are. And there's like so many sites that just have that. Here's who they said they were. Here's the picture I snapped. And you're like, whoa, Nothing. how'd that even happen? You know, <laughs> how'd, that happen? how'd that even happen? And for me, I'm tall, I'm five nine, and I almost always wear heels. And so my criteria is you need to be six feet or above because I'm not going to stop wearing pretty shoes, you know, for you. And, um... Yeah, so many times I'll get somewhere and I'm like, yeah, you are not six feet tall. I don't know what your measurement is or what kind of ruler you're using. Maybe you go metric. I don't know. Metric. <laughs> you are not um, over six feet tall. Or you got Calm that, down. You got that measuring stick at, I don't know, the flea market. I don't know what happened. Guys happens. are bad with measuring. Okay. They're super bad, y'all. <laughs> y'all don't understand the conversion. They're like, yeah, it's blah, blah, blah. No, I no. managed to the village. Okay, okay. That's no, just, that's just, uh, let's correct that. So, yeah, that's true. Well, that's, but it. be super careful doing yeah, that. It's um, fine. What do you see, what do you think that you see for, um, in the future for, for the new cat? Oh man, sorry bosses, don't listen to this. But, uh, I mean, I think in the next two to three years, I'll just be out there on the, on the speaking tour, just really enjoying myself and traveling and, and having a good time and, helping women and motivating them and listening to some stories and that's what I really want to do because I have yeah. the freedom I know like Mel Robbins do you know who Mel Robbins is? no she's a um, look her up I'm going to look her up now yeah she told me that you know those sorts of things to get out on those tours and um, yeah I could see you doing something like that liven it up motivate people you do know? it not Tony Robbins type pay me to be your friend stuff but um, I think I'm just in a position of freedom and resources to be able to go do something that I just really, really love. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Connecting with people and giving them hope. And um, there's, there's a lot of women out there like me who had this hard background and terrible things have happened to them. And I think they have to see somebody. Um, Rise above it and thrive. Do it. Yeah. Just like, fuck it. You know? What's so the worst that's going to happen to me? The worst is already. You know? Yeah. What, uh, what do you... Um... What helps you get through it and what inspires you to keep going? Man, there's so much good stuff out there. There's so much... Um, good answer. There's so much good stuff out there. That's bad stuff. And that was... It's big bad stuff. But Focus on the good. But it's just like, a, you know, a handful of bad stuff. But there's so much good stuff out there. I mean, look at all the stuff. Look at the places to travel and the people to meet and the, and the careers you can keep recreating yourself into. I mean, look at us. I mean, I, I started in engineering. I was a janitor for when my daughter was first born at Motorola. I was a freaking janitor. But I knew that if I wanted my foot in the door at Motorola and I didn't have a degree, that I was going to have to meet people. And the only way to meet that was to be a janitor because I was there. Yeah. And during the quiet time to talk to these people. And that opened the door and I got in there and I started working. And then I worked in the factory and I worked my way up into engineering and with, without a degree as a woman. Good for you. And so I did those things, and um, and then I worked into marketing and started doing trade shows and things like that, um, still without a degree. 
And I keep saying that because so many people have that barrier. But look, I mean, and then I went into real estate and then I flipped houses and I owned a bunch of rental houses. And I came and I managed real estate offices. Had you known, would you have ever known that about me? You know, and, and then I'm in mortgage now doing that and managing multi-million dollar pipeline. Right. Um, and launched some writing with career, career and doing all these things because it's out there and you can. Yeah. And if you want it, you just kind of got to reach out there and do some hard work and you can have it. And so I wanted to kind of be that to people. Well, I think you will. I think you will. And I wish you the best of luck. And I want to thank you so much for coming and sitting with me and taking time to be on the Renee Massey show. Absolutely. Um, and my favorite, my favorite podcast. Thank you. It really is. So if somebody wants to find you, how can they find you? Catrainwater.com. Catrainwater.com. And if somebody wants to find me, they can. Um, I am on all the major uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, um, you, um, now I am also on iHeartRadio. Oh, wow. Look at you. So, Sister, high five. <laughs> so you can find me, The Renee Massey Show, um, social media as well. and Or go to my YouTube channel, um, The Renee Massey Show. So thank so you. So proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everybody out there, for um, listening and taking time. Um, and I hope that you got something out of um, today's um, chat with Kat like I did. Um, Thanks again. And till next time. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for listening to the Renee Massey show. Today we are um, privileged to have Mrs. Um, Mary Natalie Duran. Thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy schedule especially with everything that we have going on right now in the world um, and coming to sit with me and be on my show today. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really excited. I'm glad to share your story. Um, um, I know a lot about you, but let's let our listeners know a little bit about you and um, who you are and where you're from. Okay. Uh, well, I think I'm a pretty simple person. I... I, I uh, I'm from Austin, one of the few original Austinites. Yeah, because everybody's from everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, it's really grown out here, that's for sure. It's a, it's a different Austin, but still nice. It's a very beautiful city, so yeah, we can't complain too much. Yeah, yeah, and so were you born and raised in, in Austin, South, South Side? So I was born and raised... Uh, uh, in past Oak Hill near Dripping Springs. Okay. Uh, my my uh, parents uh, were from from East Side, and my dad didn't want to raise us there, uh, so he took us way out in the country. Is where he took us, and and I'm so thankful that he did that. Um, it was a, it was a, uh, it was kind of fun. We we did all the normal things that kids do. Uh, we rode mini bikes. Uh, uh, we went swimming in the ponds. Uh, um, they had a big peach orchard in their back uh, uh, in the backyard. Well, we I think it was about three acres that my parents had. So um, our biggest fun was going and raiding somebody's peach trees. <laughs> That's what we did. Uh, uh, so it was it was good. I had a, a good. Uh, I had great parents. They're still alive. Uh, uh, so I'm really glad that they're still with me. Um, but. Um, yeah, yeah, they are great parents. Yeah. I've had the pleasure of 
being able to meet them, they are good good people. Yeah, they were good role models. Um, I think yeah. the, uh, we have a, a brochure, and on the back of my brochure, I have a picture of them thanking them for being my parents because uh, they taught me, I think, all the important things, uh, respect. Um, you know, they just instill very good morals, and I think uh, the foundation that I had um, was something that was needed and and uh, certainly molded me to the person that I am. They laid a good foundation for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And you're one of how many siblings? There's eight of us. Eight. Mm -hmm. All right. So they had their hands full. They, they did. They, they did. They had uh, six boys and two girls. One of my uh, brothers uh, uh, at the age of 17, however, uh, was killed by a drunk driver. Um, so everybody always please, please remember not to drink and drive. Absolutely. Uh, he stopped to help a pedestrian and the pedestrian was drunk and, uh, ramsided him. So how horrible. that's how, that's what happened to him. And that was over 30 years ago. What a tragedy for your family and yeah. your parents. Yep. It's still, uh, some days it's still like yesterday, um, for my Just parents. Just doing a good deed. Yeah. Uh, he was doing a good deed. He was actually helping, uh, there was a kid who lived in our neighborhood and he uh, he had he had uh, uh, he had some disabilities, and he saw him on the side of the road, and uh, that's who he was helping a person with a disability. So just to all the way around a helpful family, you guys are just that way with everybody and everything, just helping others. I hope so. I think yeah, from what I see, but we're gonna share your story and we'll let everyone else see it as well. Okay. Because I think we need more people. Like, you know, like your brother and yourself out there mm -hmm. that are just selfless and take care of others with mm -hmm. and expecting nothing in return. Right. Yeah. Well, for me also, uh, for me, my faith is really strong and I always uh, put God first. So that's just, for me, that's what's important also and, and helps me get through, uh, through each and every day. Absolutely. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And so then you left that area and... Um, you grew up and you decided to, um, um, you got married and had children and. So it wasn't, it wasn't so simple. Uh, <laughs> so what happened as, you know, before you even got to that point? So I, uh, um, I mean, I, I, uh, What was childhood like for? Childhood was good. You know, my parents, uh, uh, for having eight children and in that era, they, uh, I don't think that we, uh ever did without. Uh, my best friends growing up had uh, horses and uh, they, they got me a horse one Christmas. So uh, that was big when I sit back and look at it because they... they so were, you were like that little girl that got the pony. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, every little girl wants a pony, I think, so yeah. at some point. We, uh, uh, my best friends did barrel racing and we would do silly things. It was uh, one time we, uh, we wanted to see how many girls we could get on a horse. And so we put five, five girls on a horse and that horse started bucking and knocking everyone out. So I had a, uh, over where the Y is at in Oak Hill, mm -hmm. we used to actually ride horses all in that area growing up. You can't do it now, but uh, there was a store that we used to go to where Scenic Brook is at, mm -hmm. uh, even in Driftwood uh, and Nutty Brown. Those were the areas that we used to ride horses. So uh, they, they tried to do everything they could for us. Uh, for having eight children, I think... Uh, I think they did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, hats off to them because I, you know, I get sometimes overwhelmed and I only have yeah. two. Yeah. And only one still at home and it's overwhelming. Yeah. So, and then, and that's because we have um, 
so much help and technology mm-hmm. and things, and they didn't have none of that. They didn't. So no, they didn't. Well, my my dad really instilled uh, uh, a lot of things. He was he was very strict. He was very very strict with us, but he did instill uh, again, you know, those morals that that I think we're lacking sometimes this day and age. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I think we need to focus a little bit more on on uh, uh, teaching kids some of those some of those things that we were taught growing up. I think it's missing a little. Yeah. You've gone through a lot to get to this point. Um, I have, I have. Uh, so my story isn't really easy. Um, I, I was actually, I'm actually uh, a success story because uh, at a very early age, I, I was molested, uh, not by one person, but by several people from the age of uh, five to 14. And then I, I actually dropped out of school in the ninth grade and uh, ran away from home. It's a lot of trauma. I'm sorry you had to go through that. You know, I, uh, it doesn't, uh, I, I'm, I don't know, uh, I'm not glad that it happened, but it taught me a lot of things and probably made me the person that I am. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. And I would like for all women out there, especially anyone listening, um, to know that uh, if you want something bad enough, the sky's the limit. Don't let anything that happens to you in your childhood or teenage years or even as an adult stop you from uh, doing what you want to do. The sky's the limit. Nothing Keep, nothing is impossible. Don't let that sick person that was trying to mess with you, you know, take over your entire right. life. Which, I mean, it's hard um, and, and it's harder for some others, but you were able to, you know, move forward, yeah. you know, somewhat and, um, and accomplish so many things yeah. because it takes a toll on you physically and emotionally. Um, tell us how, what's been something that's helped you move forward, be stronger, keep, keep going for yourself, your kids, um, Mm -hmm. your grandkids. Um, so of course, like I said, first it's God. And then of course my, my kids, my family, um, my kids, my grandkids. I mean, uh, my reason for existence is my children. They are everything to me, but, um, you know, Going back to what happened to me, um, I I, uh, uh, I didn't have a voice, and I think it's real important. Uh, we're starting a we're starting a nonprofit foundation. We're in the very baby steps, and and I hope one day that we we get it up and running. Uh, and it's to tell me who we is. So it's Celebella's. So Celebella. The okay. name of our company. We have two companies: Celebella Senior Services and Celebella Hospice. And this is going to be. Uh, Celebella's Helping Hands Foundation. Okay. And so with this foundation, we have uh, hands, all different colored hands, uh, up and uh, saying stop. We want people, we want to... Stop, yes. Yeah, we want to educate children on uh, how to uh, say no to their perpetrator, how to say stop, how to uh, not be afraid to tell someone, and if that person doesn't listen... Uh, tell the next person until someone does listen to you because someone will listen to you. There is help out there. And don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Please teach your children. Because a predator usually puts it on the kid and says, don't right. tell because they're going to blame you. Right. And you don't know any better. You're a kid. So you, you think, oh my That's God, right. I can't say anything. I'm going to be the one that's getting in trouble, not him or her. Right. I'll even say because there's women that are, you know, predators as well yes so i'll tell you a, a little story about that uh 
So this happened to me many, many years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm much older uh, now. But when I was in my uh, mid-20s, we had some really good friends. They were a little older. And uh, they had a teenage son. And uh, I was married and had my children. And you would think that I would have discovered my voice. And this is why it's so important for me to tell people about uh, teaching children how to use their voice. So uh, I was sitting next to this teenage young man and he put his hand behind my backside and started touching me. And you would think that a woman who's married with children would turn around and say, stop, or what are you doing, or something. I, was so, I got up and was so nervous and didn't know what to do. So it impacts you your entire life. I still, to this day... Uh, it's never okay it's to be never, touched. Yeah. And when you, if you feel uncomfortable, right. but, no, it's not okay. Right, so, so that's why it's so important for... Uh, us to teach our children about using their voice and not being afraid to use their voice. And that's what we, when we, when we do this foundation, one of the most important things that we want to teach is uh, children to use their voice and their hands and say, stop loud. Stop. Absolutely. Don't. Just yeah. stop. Uh, I think, uh, uh, had somebody taught me that, uh, it would, it would have stopped at a very young age for me and not all those years that I had to endure it. I think it's remarkable that you're putting this foundation together and that you're going to help so many children I hope so. or women. I mean, even as an like you said, it happened where you felt uncomfortable already as an adult. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be five. It can happen That's when right. you're in your 20s or older. Mm -hmm. um, and if you if somebody's touching you in a way you don't feel comfortable with it, well, you know, get away. And in the in the movement of Me Too and all of that that's going that's gone on, um, more women are coming out and mm -hmm. speaking up for themselves and standing up and not being as scared. Oh my God, I'm gonna lose my job, or um, I uh, who will hire me because the employer says, if you say something, I will ruin you and I'll make sure that you don't ever work in this industry right. or whatever. And then if you don't know any better, and people think, well, you should just know better. No, not everybody knows better. That's right. And um. But that's why foundations like the one you are creating are going to be so important, a key factor in letting people know it's okay. Mm -hmm. Say something. You will find another job. And maybe that industry is not right for you anyway. So. Right. Well, I didn't discover my voice until um, after uh, I went to counseling. And I was probably in my 40s is when I really discovered how to use my voice. Okay. Even though... Uh, what led you to go to counseling? Um, so... When did you know that like that was that you needed I, I that? I think I always knew I needed it, but uh, just never made the time. But uh, I think that we all kind of have a path, and for me, it was just about timing because uh, even so, I I, I started out. Uh, I went to nursing school. I went to uh, I was a CNA. I did nursing for about two years, and then after that, I've been mostly in management most of my career. And then uh, 10 years ago, I started Cellabella Senior Services and Cellabella Hospice. So, What led you to go into nursing school? Uh, I think I always oh. wanted to help people. Okay. That's what I think. I, think I see that, that in you. Yeah, I've always wanted to help people. Uh, and uh, I think I'll do that the rest of my life. Good. That's the most important thing to me. So um, when I was doing all of this, even when I was at St. David's, I was the practice manager for Texas Cardiovascular for uh, about 12 years there, I, uh, I would, I, every month or when we would have our meetings, 
I would have to speak in front of the doctors and uh, the staff, and I would almost hyperventilate. I hated speaking. So I think I, I uh, didn't even realize at that time, it really was all connected to what happened to me. So um, I, uh, I would, I would just literally be in tears that I hated speaking in front of people. So when I decided to leave, uh, leave that and do something different, I did marketing for about a year. But again, it was my path uh, because I needed to learn how to speak in front of people um, to do what I do now and what I'm still you know, planning to do in the future uh, with the three entities that I'll have, which is the senior service, the hospice, and then the foundation. I needed to learn how to speak. So mar I did marketing for a, a, a year and a half. And so I would have to cold call and talk to people. And so uh, at that time, I felt like I needed counseling to help me with being able to talk. And so that's when I did counseling. Uh, did, did you feel comfortable talking on the phone initially? Uh, on the phone, yes. But no, I, I saw the counselor, I saw her in person. And, um, excuse me, I would just talk. I would just talk and talk and talk. And uh, it became easy after that. So that's, uh, that's whenever I, uh, it, it wasn't, I don't know what, you know, particular reason or anything. I just, timing, it was just time for me to do that. So and then I could so do what I did to, mm -hmm. to start your own company. Uh-huh. And tell us the name of your company. So it's uh, Salabella Senior Service. Uh, that particular entity, we uh, And where did the name people. come from? So the name came from, uh, I didn't even know that I was really going to take it to the level. We've been in business for 10 years. I Congratulations. Was just, thank you. Uh, I was just kind of toying with it, um, and I didn't know what I was going to name this. People have tried to get me to change it, but my daughter's name is Marcella, and her best friend growing up would call her Celebella. Okay. So that's where the name came from. And so we have the, the uh, two and a half entities. We have the senior service, which is... Uh, we help people who have uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, if they break their hip, if they want to stay at home and age in place. Um, we help with cooking, cleaning, errands, uh, companionship, uh, med reminders, just making sure a person is safe. Um, throughout all of Austin? Throughout all of Austin and the surrounding counties. Uh, and then we have the hospice entity, which it helps towards end of life. And they really pair well together. Uh, we have an amazing team of nurses. Um, all hospices <clears throat> have to offer the same thing. They, they do. But I hope the thing that sets us apart is the staff and the compassion and the caring that we do. We've had people who, uh, young people who have had cancer and uh, not have, they don't have insurance or they have insurance, but the out-of-pocket amount is too high. So we've done a lot of charity work and... Uh, I, I will hope that we always can do that. I mean, if, if our motto is people helping people, yeah. and I stand behind that. So we've had people that don't have food, that don't have fans. I've had a person who, uh, uh, he, this person, we took care of him for two and a half years with a live-in uh, caregiver. And he, I, I always learn from my customers. Or the live-in caregiver was through your organization? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this caregiver... Uh, Called, well, the, the client first, he was 87 years old and he had diabetes and it would spiral out of control. And so they wanted us to do meal, meal management to make sure that he was staying away from carbs and not eating sweets so that he would continue going to the hospital. I need that meal management. <laughs> <laughs> well, this man taught me a lot. He was 87. And uh, so I was talking to him and, 
And he told me, he said, Mary, if you take away my meat and potatoes, you've taken away everything from me. Mm-hmm. And that really, that really sunk in because he was right. Uh, he wanted to eat. He was a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Yeah, and so he didn't, he didn't really care about the diabetes. And he was 87 years old. So I kind of, I listened to uh, every single client and uh, tried to learn whatever I can from all of them. So the day... Uh, so it's not a cookie-cutter thing for every client. It's not. You have to listen and exactly. customize it exactly. for everybody. You do. Different. You do. That man... Uh, but you have to think, too, the old school, like my dad is that kind of guy, mm-hmm. like salads and vegetables. Mm-hmm. He's a meat and potatoes yeah. kind of guy. He grew up in with rice and tortillas yeah, and exactly. things like that. And, I mean, he is a diabetic, and maybe that's one of the reasons, but... You have to kind of slowly wean exactly. them out and give them still a little bit of tortilla and give them a little bit. You do. You um, do. Yeah, here you, you can have a Dr. Pepper, you know, maybe once a week, not yeah. every day. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So. This man, uh, two days before he died, mm-hmm. he, uh, the caregiver called and said, he wants a chicken fried steak, Mary. And I said, well, dress him up and meet me at Luby's. It was at lunchtime. So we, he had a chicken fried steak and potatoes and whatever he wanted at Luby's. And this was two days before he passed away. He, he did that. So there's small things that, that we do. So he died happy. He did. He did. So we And did. y'all had no idea. I mean. No, of course not. He was actually doing really well. But uh, but it just, uh, if we can do those small things that matter, I, I, I hope that we can always continue doing the small things. Yeah. I always tell the caregivers or the nurses, you know, if somebody requests something, please let me know. Because if we can do it for them, let's, let's try to do it for them. Okay. Because this is their last ride home. Mm-hmm. This is it for them. They're, they're, if they're needing help, if they need a caregiver, they're, they're on their way home. So we want to make sure that we're giving them whatever we can to, to make uh, them as comfortable as exactly, possible. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it, it's about them being comfortable and happy at home. Yeah. That is so awesome. I love that you're doing that. What do you feel like that is your takeaway that you've gotten from having this business that you didn't think that you would have learned? Or, yeah. So, uh, well, I've always been compassionate. And uh, I think, you know, this company is certainly, I've always been a hardworking person. I've been working since I was 12 years old. I went to work at Dairy Queen at 12. So I've always been a hardworking woman. But again, I think uh, for me, it's the, uh, the customers, the, the clients and their stories and helping them. I think that is what uh, um, what really drives the, drives the force and drives the engine to uh, keep me going and, and helping these people that need that help. They're really, they're really the, the driving force. The driving force. Mm-hmm. That, that story that you just shared was one obviously that resonates with you and kind of sticks out mm-hmm. for you. Is there others like that that kind oh, of then you think so is like so many that yeah. you like? Oh my God, I'll never forget that situation and something that you learned and picked up from mm-hmm. that. That mm-hmm. you, again, that you're like, oh my God, I would have never even thought that I would have learned something yeah. from a, well, really a stranger. Yeah. You know, you appreciate life better. You uh, you try not to take things for granted, and uh, um, I'm not a materialistic person. Uh, you know, I, I think that you just, uh, you're a little bit more humble, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, you certainly look at life differently because we deal we deal with death on a daily basis and people we're talking about people in their 70s in their 60s some in their 50s uh, even the younger ones that are on hospice in their 30s you know who uh, are struggling with some kind of ailment because if we're in their home that means they're struggling something's going on uh, what is the youngest patient that you've had I think 38 he was a cancer patient. He was a cancer patient, and uh, he had a wife and kids, and uh, he was on our services maybe six weeks. We get uh, we do get donations from time to time, and we had donations, and we made sure that his kids had a Christmas, mm. and so we helped her uh, get through the holidays with the little money that we have from people people uh, giving to the hospice. Uh, we we do use that towards the families, and and this particular. Uh, person, we, we did use the funds that we had. How awesome is that? So, mm -hmm. That's an amazing story. Yeah. That's good. And you made it means so much to the kids, especially after yeah. having lost, you know, their mm -hmm. father. Yeah. That's that's a good story. Yeah. And so what what happened? What's next for you guys now? So, uh, I mean, we're constantly trying to grow our business. Uh, we, we're local. Uh, we're not big corporate. I don't ever want to do get... Do you have a website that we you, do. Want, you can share? We do. It's www.cellabellas.com. Uh, and, yeah. and how do you spell Cellabella for... C-E-L-L-A-B-E-L-L-A-S. Okay. And so, so if anybody wants to get into contact with you or donate um, um, anything, um, they can just go to your website to get contact? Yeah, or they can, uh, I can give my phone out. I don't mind, they can call me. I give my phone out to clients and families and I'm always uh, available to all of them, no okay. matter what, I always make myself available. Yeah, if you to wanna them. share your phone number. Yeah, it's 512-435-7549. Uh, and please call me, don't hesitate. For, for business purposes only, everybody. <laughs> um, uh, so I just want to put that out there, please. Um, let's keep it um, to the business. And she's uh, an amazing woman, but we want to make sure that her business gets all the recognition and um, exposure as possible, right. as much as possible. Well, I don't really feel amazing. I just, like I said, I feel... Uh, Why not? Look at all these few stories <laughs> that you've told. Um you um, are self, really self-made. Unlike some people that claim that they're self-made, you have started this company. Yeah. You are helping so many people that are in need of healthcare, yeah. that are dying um, every single day. Nobody helps you. You started this on your own. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're really self-made and you run this business and you have, you know, great staff and people are helping you. Mm -hmm. But, um, you're the one that laid, you know, the foundation for well, this. I had a good foundation with my parents, and then uh, they they put the drive in me, the work ethics, um, and uh, and so then I you are an inspiration. You have girls um, and sons um, that you can show them. Hey, you know, if you work hard and you mm -hmm. do this and you put your mind to it, you can survive. Um, you know that your things like that happened to you in your childhood. Um, to run your own company, ha have a beautiful home, have a beautiful family, have children, grandchildren, and be happy and healthy. And it doesn't hurt that you're also beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the kids, all my kids uh, uh, work for me off and on. Uh, uh, my oldest son works in the office with me. We've got a staff, uh, a total staff with both companies about 
uh, 70 employees. Awesome. So, uh, uh, we're, we're not, we're not big corporate, but we're, uh, we're getting there. You know, we don't, I don't want to get to be a big corporate. I want to be able to really, really, uh, take good care of, uh, every person that we encounter. So I feel like if I'm big corporate, I'll kind of lose touch. So just take one day at a time. 70 still, I mean, that's still a good number. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, mm -hmm. something to be extremely proud of. Um, and you know, you're the, the CEO, you're the chief, mm -hmm. you're mm -hmm. the chief, um, of everything. So, yeah. um, know that and know that you're doing amazing things and you, you already are changing people's lives. I hope so. so. Um, and I know you talked about the foundation. Do you have an idea when that new foundation will be, um, headed, will be fully running or... Is it still at the beginning stages? We're actually uh, uh, at the state level, but so we can get small donations for that. Um, and so we're waiting for the, the federal part of it. When the federal part of it goes into place, then we can we can take it to the next level. But we can get small donations, and, and but we, we can't, uh, I can't set up. Uh, so we have to have someone who is specializes in going to the schools and uh, getting permission from the parents to be able to speak to the children. And having this person uh, talk to the children about uh, using their hands and saying no, and and uh, we really need to bring awareness to the kids. It happens to so many children, so many, and so we need to get awareness out there. Parents, please, please teach your children to say no and to uh, use their hands, say no loudly, uh, tell someone. Tell Those somebody. are the three key factors. Say no. Uh, Put your hands to you know protect yourself and say no loudly and tell someone tell somebody please educate your kids yeah it's super important those three things when you create um i'll share that on my page whenever you create um your get your posters and your okay. site up and we'll definitely love to be a part of that and share Thank that you. on at the renee massey show that'd be awesome so, um, on to something else that's been a big thing that's plagued this entire nation this year, um, and you being in this health industry, how have you yourself and your company and staff handled um, in this COVID-19, and how has it affected you in your business? So, it has affected us. Uh, people uh, are scared, uh, especially the elderly who are more vulnerable. Um, we have uh, a lot of clients waiting to come back on service. Um, the caregivers, everyone's scared. Did you have to put somebody on pause? We, we did. We did have to put uh, some people on pause. But actually, they're, the elderly living in their homes are probably one of the safest ones. But they're afraid because our caregivers may take care of multiple clients. Mm. And so um, we're, we're making sure we're doing temperature checks on a daily basis. We're making sure that if anybody comes to the office, we're asking the questions where they've been, check their temperature, make them sanitize. Uh, we're not letting very many people into the office. Uh, we're continuously uh, educating our caregivers and making sure that they we have plastic masks. Okay. Uh, we have uh, the the gloves and protect the protective gear. So we're constantly making sure that they are using those things. Uh, uh, sometimes they do become complacent and they may not be wearing their mask, but they need to. Um, and so. Uh, just continue educating uh, is what we really need to be doing, making sure that everyone is thoroughly washing their hands. Uh, we do need to do that, but it has impacted the healthcare field, that's for sure. Uh, we've had, uh, we're telling our caregivers and, and our nurses, 
If they go to someone's house and they're showing any symptoms, just step out of the house, call us immediately. We've had to have some uh, patients and employees tested and let me knock on wood, we haven't had any issues with COVID at all. Okay, yeah. so no, 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 nobody positive no. on either side? No, but we've had a, we, we work in the community with nursing homes and rehabs who do have full units. That's um, scary. It's very scary. So, the with do the you nurse- feel as scared now as it's gone on a little bit than initially, or when it initially hit? Were you scared for yourself and your staff? Um, I'm always worried about my staff, uh, um, not necessarily myself. That's not scared, worried. Yes, but yes, worried. I'm. I'm. I, I am worried. Uh, we so in hospice care, we do something called respite care when a family is. Uh, in need of some downtime and they're tired and they need a break, we can put them in a facility for five days. We've had to encourage our families to not go to respite care because a lot of the uh, uh, healthcare facilities have a whole wing of COVID patients mm-hmm. or they have some COVID patients. So we, we, we don't want our staff to be exposed. So you, you just have to do things a little differently. We're doing a lot of telehealth visits to uh, patients that are in nursing homes. So we're not trying to expose our, our nurses or our staff. But the caregivers are the ones who are most at risk because they do see multiple patients. They're out in the community more. But uh, the majority of our patients are in homes, in uh, not in facilities. So we've been very lucky. And your staff is, works seven days a week? So we work 24 hours a day, seven 24. days a week. Okay. So a, a patient's, it's based on patient's needs. Okay. Uh, one patient may need somebody from 8 to 5, 8 to 12, but you may have a patient who doesn't go to bed until 11 or 12, and so sometimes we have caregivers going at midnight till 8 in the morning. It's whatever the family needs, uh, whatever hour, whether it be 1 in the morning, 1 in the afternoon, 8 a.m. So whatever the need of the family is is, is when we send caregivers, and then uh, okay. they take care of the client. Um, make sure they don't fall or whatever whatever the care plan is and that's that's discussed when we first meet the family uh, and the client we come up with the care plan and uh, hours that kind of work what we do sometimes uh, a person uh, will come in and say well my mom needs help from eight to five and I'm always trying to think about uh, the budget of the family so we try to ask them uh, what uh, questions as to uh, what time do they get up what time do they go to bed because if they're wanting us to come in at 8, but they don't get up at 9, that's going to save them an hour of time. Utilize it for a long-term relationship. And, and so that's what we try to do. We try to, the majority of our clients stay with us until the very end. So we've been really, uh, really lucky. We have a lot of word-of-mouth clients. So if you're getting a lot of word-of-mouth clients, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, good. That's great. I, I think you're doing a lot of great things for our community and um, our people that are definitely in need of uh, your medical services and love and attention. And sometimes you, just that program where you have where you can sit with them, mm-hmm. that alone is, you know, um, means a lot to somebody it really that's, does. that's it, alone. It really does. We have families who uh, have uh, their their children live in another state. And so we, we really, you know, have to do, we have to take care of all of our patients 100%. But Sometimes the patients that are alone and have no family need that additional, uh, additional help. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're, you guys are doing that. Um, and it makes a big difference, doesn't it? I, I hope so. I think so. I think you're doing a great job. So um, I, 
with everything that's going on and everything you do, um, how do you, what do you do? What is your ritual to keep yourself uplifted and motivated? Do you have like a favorite uh, verse or Bible verse or a quote? What do you, what, what do you draw your positivity to keep, keep going through everything, moving think, forward? I think for me, it's always been my faith first and God first for me. That always is uplifting for me. Um, I try to read a little bit every day, a little quote or something. I don't have a favorite quote. Um, but I think uh, for me, it's it's that and then my kids and my grandkids, really. They keep it going. Mm, they do. Well, that's awesome. Really and I know that they are super proud of you. And I can see the joy that you have every time you you bring them up and your eyes light up. Yeah, they are so, the center of my world. Good. Well, I think that you're doing a lot of great things in our community. Um, and I think you're going to be doing way more. I love this new foundation that you have that... Um, help give a voice to everyone that's been touched mm -hmm. in a way that they shouldn't be. Um, please share that with us when you get that going. I will. Um, and thank you so much for being and sitting with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I am so happy to see you. I'm so happy to doing well. And I can't wait for everyone to listen to this podcast. And I hope that you take away something great um, from from listening to um, Mary talk today because she has shared a great story and was very vulnerable and shared a lot of great things. So I feel like, you know, she can do all of these things. Um, so can you. So um, you can follow me on um, iHeartRadio. You can follow me on Anchor, um, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So again, um, thank you for listening to the Renee Massey Show. Until next time. Thank you.